Welcome to Transformed by Grace, an in-depth Bible study of God's Word, presented by the Berean Bible Society. Join us each time on this station as Pastor Kevin brings the transforming message of God's grace revealed through the Holy Scriptures. twist reality and it was explained in this way in movies all grocery shopping bags contain at least one stick of french bread the ventilation system of any building is the perfect hiding place a man will show no pain while taking the most ferocious beating but will wince when a woman tries to clean his wounds cars that crash will almost always burst into flames people usually confess on the stand during a trial Persons are easily knocked unconscious by a blow to the head, and they never suffer a concussion, but only end up with a small headache. It is always possible to park directly outside the building you are visiting, even in a busy city. Any lock can be picked by a credit card or a paper clip in seconds, unless it's the door to a burning building with a child trapped inside. All bombs are fitted with electronic timing devices with large red readouts so you know exactly when they're going to go off. It does not matter if you are heavily outnumbered in a fight involving martial arts. Your enemies will patiently wait to attack you one by one by dancing around in a threatening manner until you've knocked out their predecessors. Computers always turn on immediately. The coffee is always ready. The tea kettle is already boiling. No one makes the bed, and the bed is always made. Movies do tend to twist reality, but Solomon does not do this in the book of Ecclesiastes. He's right up front and honest with us and does not sugarcoat things. He tells us how life really is, such as what we find in Ecclesiastes chapter 3. Solomon here presents a series of snapshots of real life. Pictures of reality that capture the good and the bad, the positives and the negatives of life. Most of us fill our photo albums with only positive memories, but Solomon here portrays life in its stark reality. In life's journey, we face many different circumstances and experiences. Sometimes we laugh, sometimes we weep, sometimes we hurt, other times we're filled with joy. Sometimes we have gains and we are glad. Other times we face loss and we grieve. Sometimes we really blow it. Other times we get it right. Sometimes we fall. Other times we triumph. All of these are part of life and part of life's journey. But also in this passage, we find how God cares about our life. How He is there always and involved in every area and that He works through our collective experiences to make something beautiful in His time and for His glory. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 and verse 1 says, To everything there is a season, and a time to every purpose under the heaven. In this book of Ecclesiastes, we find Solomon on a quest, a quest for purpose. He does research into the meaning of life. As a result of his study, Solomon observes that there is a season for everything and a time 
for every happening in life. Each phase in life has its proper season, which speaks of an appointed duration. It's like the seasons of the year, that they are an extended period of time with an appointed duration, and then it leads into another season. And life has different seasons like that. And Solomon observes that every happening in life has its proper time, which speaks of a fixed point in time that things occur in our lives. He sees in these verses that life is filled with these cyclical patterns which just keep recurring over and over with regularity in mankind's history. The same thing happens to each generation, generation after generation. But as Solomon notes that there are appointed seasons and times in our lives, he's, he's aware of something here that rules and orders things behind the scenes. Solomon observes that events in our lives just enter at will, and there's a time for this in life and a time for that, and we're helpless to stop their arrival, and we are unable to control their departure. But he knows that it is God who's in control. It is God who steers us all into the future with his providential hand. And so we can know that from our birth to our death, when it is time for this and time for that in our lives, that God is accomplishing his divine will and purpose in us, even though we don't always understand what he is doing. These verses affirm that God cares and that he is at work in our individual lives. In understanding this, we know that life is not meaningless, that God has a purpose for our lives. Knowing that God is making all things beautiful in his time brings meaning to our lives. Following his general statement about life, Solomon proceeds to give us a cross-section of life through a beautiful poem of 14 pairs of positive and negative, contrasting, familiar events by which he expresses that God has a sovereign design behind all the events that take place in our lives. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verse 2 says, A time to be born and a time to die, a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. The list begins with reference to the beginning and end of a person's life in this world. When life boils itself down to its basics, it all just goes back to birth and death. There's a time to be born, and there's a time to die, and we can't control either one. In Psalm 31:15, the writer says, My times are in thy hand. Unless the rapture happens, we all have an appointment with death that we will keep someday. Hebrews 9:27 says, it is, a, it is appointed unto men once to die. Mel Lawrence tells this story. When I turned 27, I reached an age that my father never did. He died of pneumonia at 26. He just started adult life, really. As I approached my 27th birthday, I had this strange feeling that I was about to cross a definitive line, like when an explorer marks the place that is the farthest reach of the previous explorer and then takes one more step into new territory off the map, over the edge and no turning back. There was nothing at all pleasant about this sensation. It was frightening and lonely, and I was embarrassed by it, so I hardly told anybody. To be more exact, I felt like I was living on borrowed time, like I had gone farther in life than I should have. I began fearing for my wife and children. 
What if I left them when they were only two and four years old, which was how old my sister and I were when our father died? What could I do to stop pneumonia or cancer or a car crash? What commitments can I make? Is there anything much in life I have control over? I came to believe that this sense of mortality, which is still vivid to me now with another 25 years having passed and my kids in college, that this is a good thing. Why should we not feel mortal? We are. This is not morbid. It's just real. And it drove me to believe and to trust God with my life and live for Him. It drove me to impart a sense of purpose in my children, a connection with their Heavenly Father, that they would trust Christ and be filled with the love of God. Remembering our mortality is not a bad thing. Pastor C.R. Stam, the founder of Breen Bible Society, rightly said one time, let's stop living for this life as if it were never going to end, and for the next as if it were never going to begin. We each need to live in light of our mortality and eternity. We never know when we will enter eternity. It's been rightly said, life is short, eternity is long, death is certain, Christ is the answer. Living for Christ, we find meaning, purpose, and an abundant life. And in Christ, we have a life that stretches into and for eternity, with death just being a bridge to bring us into His presence forever. Solomon writes that there's a time to plant and a time to pluck up that which is planted. The only way to get a crop is to cooperate with the seasons. You don't plant when it's harvest time or winter time, and you don't harvest at the wrong time either. Timing is everything. Agriculture demonstrates how there's an appropriate time for everything. And so it is in life. Sometimes God plants us where we live, where we work, where we go to school. And sometimes God plucks up that which is planted. He uproots us and moves us. He does it in His time, according to His will, for His purposes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 3 to 5 read, a time to kill, and a time to heal, a time to break down, and a time to build up, a time to weep, and a time to laugh, a time to mourn, and a time to dance, a time to cast away stones, and a time to gather stones together, a time to embrace, and a time to refrain from embracing. In life, we're confronted with the polar opposites of the tragedy of killing and the joy of healing with the taking of human life and the saving of human life. Sometimes they're back-to-back stories on the news or beside each other in the newspaper. There's dying and death and healing and life all around us in this world, and we are forced to deal with these opposites in life and face them firsthand sometimes. But we do so knowing that God is in control. A time to break down and a time to build up We see often around us in life, too. You see demolition crews followed by construction crews. Buildings destroyed and then buildings constructed and built up. We also see that in the scenes of life. Sometimes we face hard times when we are tore down. We were put down, we're criticized. And other times where we are built up, encouraged, and have our spirits raised like a building that's raised. We see this also in terms of ages and periods of life, when in youth 
we find a time of building up, muscles grow, abilities increase, coordination gets better. But over time, things begin to break down and type gets smaller, steps get higher, things go faster, people speak lower. Building up and breaking down is a part of life. From the concepts of death and life and destruction and construction, Solomon writes of the human responses to these events in life and how we all experience weeping and mourning, laughing and dancing in life, how we all run the full gamut of emotions. And no one is going to escape the hurts and sorrows of life, no matter how hard we may try to run or shield ourselves from it. And the longer we live, the more we experience all of this in this passage. Our Savior in his earthly life was touched with the feeling of our infirmities, Hebrews 4.15 says, and he experienced weeping and mourning. Isaiah 53.3 says that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In this fallen world, there will be times of hurt, sorrow, weeping, and mourning in troubled relationships, in divorce, or the loss of a loved one. But there will also be bright times where we laugh and we smile and we find times of cheerfulness and joy among our families and the birth of children and grandchildren and wedding celebrations and graduations during holidays, job promotions, and so on. We'll be returning to the program in just a minute. But first, we'd like to take this time to thank you, our partners, for making these programs possible. If you would like to access our library of helpful Bible study tools, go to BereanBibleSociety.org. The Triumph of His Grace is a hardcover 215-page book written by Pastor Paul M. Sadler. This volume is a comprehensive study on the doctrine of the pre-tribulational rapture of the church, mid-tribulationalism, pre-rap, post-tribulationalism, and the partial rapture theories are thoroughly examined under the microscope of the Word, rightly divided. To order your copy, contact the Berean Bible Society for pricing and availability at 262-255-4750 or visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. To receive our free full-color 32-page monthly magazine, The Berean Searchlight, call 262-255-4750 or subscribe online at www.bereanbiblesociety.org. Thank you again for your generous gifts. And now, back to the teaching with Pastor Kevin. A time to cast away stones and gather stones together in verse 5 and to embrace and to refrain from embracing, speaks to us of our relationships with others in life. Stones were used for building walls and houses in, in biblical times. and Casting away speaks of scattering and, and, pardon the pun, speaks of relationships going through rocky times, of when embracing and closeness isn't there as a result of problems and Houses and homes just break down and they scatter. But the gathering of stones and times of embracing speaks of closeness, nearness, confidence, understanding, building together of a home, building together of relationships. 
And so it teaches us that relationships in life have ups and downs, rocky times, and smooth times. Verses 6 through 8 read, A time to get and a time to lose, a time to keep and a time to cast away, a time to rend and a time to sow, a time to keep silence and a time to speak, a time to love and a time to hate, a time of war and a time of peace. A time to get, in verse 6, or gain, and a time to lose. Uh, this verse has been dubbed the Weight Watchers verse. And sometimes we gain and sometimes we lose. It's like the person I can relate to who said, I lost three pounds on a diet, but I found them, and five more. But really, this verse speaks of financial things, uh, when we go through ups and downs in this area as well. Uh, it makes it reminds us of business cycles with fluctuating profits and losses being in the black one here, being in the red the next. It says a time to keep and a time to cast away or throw away. That this verse has been called the garage sale verse. Makes us think about makes us think about our closets and garages and basements and attics. We accumulate and we keep, and it comes time and we gotta get rid of that stuff and cast it away. Solomon shows here, though, that there are times in our lives when we get to keep the things we love. But then there are hard times when we are forced to give them up. And of course, our minds go to those we love in life. We think about our children who are with us for a time under our home, in our home, but then we must let them go when they begin their lives in their homes. Or it speaks of those who we love in life who pass away, and we are forced to let them go. Solomon says there's a time to rend or tear apart and a time to sow. In Scripture, uh, you find that the Jews used to tear their garments out of intense grief and in their mourning. And so Solomon reiterates that there will be times of sorrow in life. But after a while, there comes a time when you get out the needle and the thread and you start sewing things up. And you start getting yourself put back together again. When he talks about silence and speaking, that goes along with the thought of deep grief. Job 2 says that after losing his children and possessions, that Job didn't speak for seven days. Keeping silence speaks of hard times when one is hurting and doesn't know what to say or doesn't need or want to speak. And like a time to sow, a time to speak speaks of better times, coming out of those hard times and being able to, to speak again. Solomon writes that there's a time to love and a time to hate. And believers are to walk in love as Christ has loved us, and we are to extend Christ's love to all those around us in life. And so it's always a time to love for believers. Psalm 97.10 also says, though, ye that love the Lord hate evil. After a young Abraham Lincoln first saw a living slave offered in New Orleans on a slave block, he wrote this, there was a rising hatred inside of me against slavery, and I swore if someday I could do something about it, I would do something about it. There are evils and injustices in this world that believers ought to rightly hate, and like God, we should hate sin, but love sinners. And Solomon says there's a time of war and a time of peace when 
Tyranny runs over the rights of mankind. War is often necessary, and there is a time for war. And because of the times of war in this country, we have the right and ability to assemble each Sunday to worship and preach God's word freely, and we can live without fear with our home, in our homes and families and communities, and use the time of peace for Christ. Ecclesiastes 3, 9 through 11 say, What profit hath he that worketh in that wherein he laboreth? I have seen the travail which God hath given to the sons of men to be exercised in it. He hath made everything beautiful in his time. Also he hath set the world in their hearts so that no man can find out the work that God maketh from the beginning to the end. Solomon has a question lingering in the back of his mind that he posed in the first two chapters also. What lasting gain, he asks, has the worker for all his toil and labor? He again raises the value of a person's work and labor after considering all these events and activities and times and seasons of life. He sees that for every plus, there is a minus in life. For every constructive activity, there is a destructive activity. For every up, there's a down. So his question is, what's the point in it all? He says in verse 10 that he's seen the travail. He's conducted this exhaustive survey of all the activities, employments, pursuits, and endeavors that God has given to man to occupy his time, as explained in verses 1 through 8. And he wonders, is there profit in all this? Apart from God, the answer is that there is no profit. There is no point. But with God, the answer is yes, there is a profit. There is a point to life. In verses 10 through 11, God enters the scene and now things begin to make sense. And life now has meaning, direction, and purpose. God makes everything beautiful in His time. If we look at life strictly from a worldly perspective, like Solomon, without God involved, you see futility, you see meaninglessness. But with God involved, everything changes. When we see life through the lens of faith, through God's eyes, in His time, a picture begins to come together. A beautiful picture of God's working in grace in our lives, where He can and He does create something beautiful out of the brokenness of our lives. God knows all about our unfulfilled expectations. He knows all about our experiences. He knows all about our reality. He knows that we don't always get it right and we stumble in life. He knows us before we were born and when we were in the womb. He knows when it is our time to die. He knows when we are broken down. He knows when we are built up. He knows when we cry and we mourn. He knows when we laugh and we dance. He knows when we embrace and when we refrain from embracing in our relationships. He knows when we gain and when we lose. He knows when we get to keep the things we love and when we have to cast them away. He knows when we are grief-stricken. He knows when we feel silent and quiet. He hears us when we speak. He knows when we love and He knows when we hate. Your employment, your unemployment, your failures, your financial difficulties, your hospital stays, your doctor's reports, your battles, your addictions, your lost romance, your heartaches, your depression, your sadness, God knows. And God cares. 
And God is there for you. God knows everything about the human experience. He knows all the minute details of your experience. He knows why everything happens. He sees the small little picture that we see of the moments and details of our life, but He also sees the big picture of how of your life and how He is creating something beautiful in His time and working all things together for your good. He sees the huge canvas that He paints on of how everything unfolds in light of eternity. We cannot know all the answers to all the questions of life. There are some some things in life you'll never know and I'll never know on this side of heaven. These things are fully understood by a sovereign God who transcends time, who sees the beginning and the end and all points in between. We see today, God sees eternity. We will not understand everything in our temporal world. We are mere men who cannot fully comprehend the sovereign eternal plan of Almighty God. And as Solomon says here, no man can find out the work that God does from the beginning to the end. So what all this calls us to is to just trust Him. Trust the One who is making everything beautiful in His time. In doing so, we know that there is purpose in tragedy. There is reason in pain and suffering. Because we know His sovereign hand is at work in our lives and that He is in control and we are not. And that we need to depend on Him more and more and more because living a surrendered life to God leads to living a life of beauty. And now notice how verse 11 says He has made everything beautiful. God wouldn't say everything unless He meant everything. He knows about everything. That is going on in our lives. And that includes whatever you are going through right at this moment. And He is making everything beautiful in His time. In His time are the important words for each of us to remember and to trust. Verse 11 says that God has set the world in their heart, which literally means God has set eternity in man's heart. And so we learn that God has put it in mankind to know that there is life beyond. And He has put within every human heart a curiosity about eternity and tomorrow, prompting mankind to probe and to search. But mankind will not find the answers to their questions about eternity without God. God has put eternity in mankind's heart, made man for His eternal purpose, And so if we look for satisfaction and meaning in the temporal, we will not find it. And we will find complete satisfaction until we look to the eternal, until we look to God in His Word, and we pursue Him. And when we do, our lives will be transformed by His grace. For nearly 80 years, the Berean Bible Society has endeavored to encourage believers everywhere to study God's Word. With this foundation, the believer is equipped to grow spiritually and energized to effectively share the gospel. Through the tools of both traditional and electronic media, we are positioned to reach our world well into the coming generations. Streaming lessons, printed materials, audio teachings, and daily devotionals are all available at the BereanBibleSociety.org. 
Thank you again for tuning in to Transformed by Grace. We appreciate your prayer support and the financial gifts. The purpose and mission of the Berean Bible Society is to help you understand the whole counsel of the Word of God. For more information, visit our website at www.bereanbiblesociety.org or give us a call at 262-255-4750. Or if you prefer, write us at the Berean Bible Society, P.O. Box 756, Germantown, Wisconsin, 53022. Now until next time, may you be transformed by God's grace.